Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of Fandom University. My name is Sergio. My name is still Sean. It's still Sean. It will always remain Sean. You will never change your name because you're already in too deep. You've already published a book under that name. You can't go back now. No, no. I'd be starting back at square one. I mean, you can't go like Prince who recorded the Batman soundtrack and then changed his name. Because then, then everybody was like, who was this? Who, who made this beautiful music? Who made this amazing song that the Joker danced to while defacing countless pieces Priceless of art? Priceless works of art. <laughs> um, that's not just a uh, non sequitur. That's a segue, baby. That is a segue to our uh, topic for this, this upcoming arc, this upcoming module, this upcoming course. We'll be discussing the Batman, the Tim Burton Batman movies, uh, in this episode, and we will be discussing the comic book series Batman 89 in the second episode, which is interesting because it acts as a direct sequel to the Tim Burton Batman Returns. Rather, like it disavows, it it it, it cuts Batman forever and Batman it disinherits. And Robin, yeah, out of the will. <laughs> You're no children of mine. Um, Sam Ham Sam Ham says. Um, Sam Hayne. <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, this all culminates with uh, with a third episode in which we will talk to uh, Professor Andy Davidson about Batman at you know writ large, and also give our feelings on the new three hour super serious the Batman movie, which at the time of this recording is just days away. However. Um, you know, we want to give at least uh, a few weeks of you know spoiler-free time. You want, want that 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 gap there. So, uh, if you're not able to watch it in the first couple of weeks or even in the first month, you can still catch it uh, whenever you can, and and then listen to our episode to see what we think. Are you excited about the movie? Before we get into all this, are you excited? There is a brand new Batman motion picture coming out in 72 hours are you excited yeah. well i've got my tickets for the 7 30 showing in 48 hours um but it's tuesday isn't it it is definitely tuesday but i mean if you're thinking of it as opening on friday you know mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. then 72 is perfectly I'm a, I'm a i'm a traditionalist in that sense. Yeah, yeah 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 when it comes to the cinema you're, the you're cinema. Very much... so movies come out on friday albums come out on tuesday and comic books come out on Wednesday. And even that's not actually true anymore because I think DC releases books on Tuesdays yeah, now. It's all, it's all, man. It's all this new thing. It's all fucked up. Thank you. I, I, I was trying to be a little bit more couth about it, but sometimes the... Uh, the you gotta cut right you through gotta, the bullshit. You cut right Alexander through the, through the Gordian knot. And just get grimy and gritty with it. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, we like to be, uh, we like to have a higher discourse here on Phantom University. But, but not there, always. There comes a time and a place. And this is that time. And this is that place. Um, 
comic book should come out on Wednesday. <laughs> that's that's the time and place, apparently. Um, so yeah, so uh, criticizing feel- DC, the owner of Batman. Um, how, how do you feel about this new Batman movie? You know, I'm. It's getting really good reviews. I think it's at eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. When I looked earlier today, um, but I'm I'm gonna be honest. The idea of three hours of that trailer's tone which seems exhausting like a friend of mine on twitter was like three hours of the the tone from that two minute trailer just sounds exhausting especially when you think about the fact that we're we seem to possibly be on the cusp of world war three at the moment uh you know it and that's not the movie's fault let let me hasten to say but it it's hard to get excited about a super serious take on batman when i feel like we've had super serious takes on batman for almost 20 years now like we're only a couple years away from the 20th anniversary of batman begins so it's not like we haven't had this is again this this isn't like a fresh take this isn't something that uh we haven't seen before whereas you know batman begins you know was right batman Batman begins was um you know, it was dark and brooding like Tim Burton's Batman, but it wasn't cartoonish like Tim Burton's Batman. Right. You know, it, was, it was as much as a movie about a, you know, orphan billionaire becoming a symbol of, you know, masked vengeance <laughs> can be. It was rooted in reality. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I, that's almost, that's exactly, almost perfectly describe how I feel. Um, going into the Batman is I don't know if I'm ready for three hours of what you know that two minute trailers tone you'll lead me to believe although early reviews um, like you said have been pretty positive they say it's it's almost like a like you know like Batman is the world's greatest detective and they say it's almost like a it's like a detective movie it's like a it's like a it's like a mystery we haven't really had a Batman movie where he's played detective for more than a couple of minutes. So that might be the way in which this is a fresh take. I also, I feel like Matt Reeves is a really good director. I feel like everybody, you know, behind the scenes working on this, like they've earned the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would no, say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, it was kind of like when Chris Nolan casted, um, when he uh, casted Heath Ledger as the Joker. I was like, you know what? Like you've paid your bond. Like I'm going to like not rush to judgment as to why <laughs> you cast the hunk from 10 things I hate about you. Right. Uh, but you know, so like, and, and that worked out. So like, you know, I, I'm definitely with you there. Yeah. So, so I, I will say that finding out the runtime did dampen my enthusiasm. a scotch. Three hours. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, I sat through two three-hour Avengers movies, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, so granted those movies, you know, for the most part are a little more bouncy and fun and quippy. Uh, so, but but yeah, I'm, uh, I love Batman. I mean, I would say just based on the number of comic books in my collection, you, anybody who didn't know me would assume that Batman is my favorite superhero of all time. So like, um, you know, I... I hope it's great. I hope it's amazing. And I hope I walk out of the theater at like 11 PM on a Thursday night, like a fucking wild man. Cause I'm almost 40 and I work the next morning, um, you know, really jacked and excited rather than just like, well, time for bed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, 
and I mean, that's, I, I hope I feel, I mean, I hope I even get a fraction of how, like leaving the Batman, how I felt as a kid leaving the 1989 Batman. That so I remember, of, I remember oh, like watching Batman for the first time and being awed and amazed at how well, just cool it looked, how, how it seemed like it was like it, it, it looked like a comic book come to life. Yeah, I mean, when I was six years old, I thought it was the coolest movie I'd ever seen in my life, possibly the coolest movie ever made. Um, It was one of those experiences where, and I don't really have this anymore, but I remember walking out of the theater, my parents took me to a matinee. And so it was the middle of the afternoon when we came out and I was startled to see the sun again because I'd been like so caught up in the movie itself, you know, just so like, enraptured with the story on the screen that I was just like oh shit right reality this sucks this is dumb I don't like this at all where's Batman um I remember watching it for the first time on VHS and uh I was um it was at my babysitters and uh the like they had an older son who like when I saw they had the table I'm like oh I want to watch this and he kind of like made it as if like I wasn't allowed to because it was PG-13 and I was only like seven years old. And, but you know, it's a Batman movie. I mean, it's, I mean, there's like some, some stylized violence, but I can't imagine like, you know, what it was. I mean, it, it can be like, there are some moments of like genuine, like not like fear, but like stuff that could startle like a kid, but the PG-13 ratings, uh, the, it seems like a bit much to me. Like Batman Returns is PG-13. I could definitely see that. Yeah, that gushing nose scene for sure. <laughs> um, but like he kind of, you know, as like, you know, that sort of older sibling uh, archetype does like, you know, oh, you can't watch that. You're not, that, you're not 13. And for a second, I thought that it was either the babysitter was, you know, family friend. I thought she was going to be like, oh, you know, you're right. You can't. But she's like, it's Batman. Go ahead. And like I said, I lost my absolute shit. I thought it was the cool, like you said, I thought it was the coolest movie I'd ever seen in my life. Like watching like Batman, like glide into the scene, like glide into, you know, any number of places. (laughs) Yeah, he does a lot of gliding. (laughs) He does a whole lot of gliding. And, uh, and just like that iconic opening, you know, with the, with the two uh, robbers that it kind of mirrors Bruce Wayne's, you know, origin story more or less, you know, with, um, with a family leaving the cinema and getting robbed in an alley and uh you see the two uh the two muggers sort of uh you know sp- uh, sp- splitting the, the, the booty the wallet yeah sp- splitting the booty and they start talking about the batman and how like, he's taking on this sort of uh, urban legend type um aura amongst mm-hmm. the 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 crime and villainy of gotham city and then you see him sort of descend slowly in the background with his cape, like, you know, unfurled. And it's just, man, it's even today. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. And let me allow me to allow me to preface all of this with, you know, this is the first time I'd seen Batman 1989 in close to a decade. I want to say that even before uh, the dark Knight. I did not, you know, I, I, I complete, everyone like loves this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and loves Jack Nicholson's portrayal as the Joker, even before Heath Ledger completely, you know, ruined that character for every other actor. 
um i was like i don't like this portrayal of you know i've, I've i changed sides like this is this is dumb this is campy like i don't like this at all this isn't really what the joker is and i based that on you know uh what i've read in the comic books and also like mark hamill's portrayal of the joker in batman and the animated series um yeah. and so i like very vehemently would say like batman 1989 is a terrible movie and i don't care what you have to, i will die on this hill <laughs> uh and so and you know and, and getting ready for the show you know i was like we got to watch the movie i watched it with my wife and uh i was like oh yeah you want to watch batman with me i got to watch it for the phantom university she said sure which one i was like oh the old the, you know the first one she's like oh yeah classic and i was like i don't really like it she's like what how could you not like it and i that scene that opening scene of kim like coming down I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. And she's like, see, you like it. And I was like, nah, it's, yeah, it looks cool, but it's not. And the more I, as we, as we continued watching it, um, like just like the nuts and bolts of the movie, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was like, this is just a well-made movie. Like, you know, as far as like the pacing and the script and just like, a, uh, like what it tries to be, like it nails perfectly. Like I said, it feels like a comic book brought to life. And it slowly won me back over. Even Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker, I realized was more nuanced than I remember. He does do like the campy over the top thing, mm-hmm. but he does also get very sinister. Like there's that very like awful scene where he brings in his former paramour that, you know, that Jack Palance's character, like, you know, tries tried to, to kill him, yeah, over. tries to kill him over. And she's like, burned up like burned from the acid i can only assume and sort of like in this like weird sort of like mask know, like, like or like well she's in a mask but in this weird like sort of stupor like you know like that's a good point yeah she she seems like she's on drugs and and she's like jack jack and the whole thing is just so unsettling and and watching it now i was like okay like there there actually is it's not just a not just a campy sort of take on the joker there is like something very dark and underlying around it, you know, you know, behind it, you know, in addition to all like the, you know, the dancing to the, in the museum to, to Prince, to a Prince song. I mean, it's a lot of dancing to Prince. Jack Nicholson loves Prince in this movie. Uh, Jack Napier loves Prince. I don't know how Jack Nicholson feels about him. If he doesn't like, if Jack Nicholson doesn't like Prince and he's a hell of an actor. (laughs) Yeah. He's really, he's really pulling it off. Um, and, so, and so I, like I said, I, I obviously like as a kid, I loved the movie as a, as a, as I grew into a young adult, I disliked it. And now as almost as an almost 40 year old, uh, elder millennial, I like it again, which is crazy to me. And, you know, I talked to you about it, you know, before, uh, while we were watching Batman Returns. And I think it's a product of having watched so many serious superhero movies serious over the Batman movies and serious Batman. Yeah. In particular over the past 20 years that it was kind of fun just to see a movie that didn't take itself so seriously. <laughs> and sure. Like, you know, like, um, like you say, like, uh, like the Ant-Man movies in particular, or like Thor Ragnarok are examples of, MCU movies like Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that are very lighthearted and not you know not so much like very serious but you know though like we've talked about we talked about this with the Eternals um, and the Eternals arc is how 
those movies don't feel like um like organisms unto themselves they just feel like a like an episode of a larger saga yeah and so it's hard to separate them from you know like from the end of like avengers endgame you know where tony stark like you know sacrifices his life and orphans his daughter for like right. for, for the universe for humanity right um and so yeah it was just it was like i just had fun watching the movie like watching a very like simple yet effectively done story of a of a you know of a boy um cursed with vengeance to dress up like a bat <laughs> And, you know, and a man betrayed by, you know, and, and, and a wicked man betrayed by, by a fellow ne'er-do-well who becomes even more wicked as a result. And, and their tussle, like their sort of like battle between good and evil. Like well, I said, also very simple, together. very effective. Yeah. And then I, I even didn't mind that, that the, that they, um, that they tie in the Joker with, um with that with bruce wayne's origin that that in fact it was a young jack napier that killed bruce wayne's parents i never minded that like that never like especially in the context of just a movie like you're making a batman movie you may never make another one like this is you know for all you know the one shot like you know i i didn't have a problem with it even you know in my love hate relationship with the movie i never pointed to it and was like that's what's wrong with <laughs> batman 89 is the joker killed batman's parents i actually think it's for the sake of the story it really works oh yeah i me. mean like yeah and that's that's why i never really railed against it because it does work in the context of the story um the only issue i had with it was the same sort of issue i had with anakin skywalker having built c-3po in phantom menace it just takes um what should be a much bigger world and shrinks it down yeah and i'm glad that future versions of the you know cinematic iterations of batman haven't gone back to that well i think it they get away with it the one time but um especially in the context of the nolan batman which is supposed to be rooted in realism i think giving the joker any sort of backstory diminishes that character but the version of joker in the tim burton movie you know we we know who he is before he's the joker like yeah before he shows up you know like in yeah like in the dark knight like you know like when christopher nolan described him as like a is like a force of nature he just shows up and is yeah you know and then there's they allude to that when they say like you know they're he's his fingerprints don't come up. He's not on file. Like all of his clothes are custom made, like no tags. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, where did this bean come from? And so, yeah, so it does make sense in that. Um, and, and, and that's, in, you know, in Batman 89 that, you know, we see Jack Napier before he, before he becomes a Joker. We know that we're, we're we kind of know what kind of person he is. He's the kind of person that would fool around with his, you know, mobster bosses, you know, lady <laughs> and also is kind of a dick to her while he's doing it like he's negging her at the same time that he's getting her to cheat on her boyfriend with him 
with her old ass boyfriend with her sugar daddy where one one assumes yeah well he does call her sugar bumps <laughs> true i thought that was just a uh like a term of affection but no yeah. he's it's a, it's a defined term <laughs> of their relationship uh the contractual um you know uh, honorific um yeah well the movie i will say it's got a lot going for it um one thing you know you talk about batman floating down and you remember for us as kids what we had seen before that was adam west you know running around in tights and so like seeing this batman who moved very slowly and deliberately almost like a slasher in a way um was a huge change like he seemed like this gothic monster you know that that um that made him really interesting i think also michael keaton's performance is really understated and interesting especially as bruce wayne he's such a weirdo Mm-hmm. He's absent-minded. He's not a playboy. Like the movie emphasizes again and again how lonely he is, and I feel like they really nail that in Returns. But um, well, you there's, know, that, there's that shot of him in Returns where he's just literally just sitting in the dark oh, until that. the bat signal comes on, <laughs> doing nothing. Like, literally just sitting there in the dark, like brooding. Just, yeah, brooding essentially, like you a hand on his chin, and then the bat signal comes up, and he turns to it. And he He's stands. Like, Finally, something to do. <laughs> all my millions of dollars and all I want to do is Batman. Um, you know, you don't have to wait for a crime. You could go out on patrol. Yeah, like, like crimes have... are crimes are happening all the time in Gotham yeah. City. It's a shithole. I've seen it. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, yeah it... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say like, um, and just hearing that, uh, like the score for one. Yeah. The score Which, does a lot of the heavy lifting, I think. You know, and not just, you know, not just like Prince's soundtrack, but the score itself, like the, the orchestral score, which was then used for Batman the Animated Series. That theme was, yeah. Yeah, the theme. And man, I love that theme so much. Yeah, that well, that was another thing I was thinking about while we were watching the movie is how great that entire score is. Like one of the big highlights is the scene where he's taking Vicky Vale to the Batcave and they're driving through the forest and there's the choir rising as they're driving through what looks like a wall, you know, but mm-hmm. it's really just like a hologram and like it's, it makes the movie feel bigger than it actually is in terms of what's on screen. Like it really brings out the, again, I'm going to use this word a lot, the gothic sensibilities of the the character and the world in a really fantastic way um and i feel like the movie also has a really good and the score is a big part of this is really good at controlling its tone which is i think one of tim burton's big strengths as a director when he's at his best is like his best movies i would say are more an exercise in tone and feeling and image than they are in like character development or anything although i think the script for this movie is got some really good exchanges some interesting dialogue like it 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 there's some attention paid to the craft of writing uh particularly in uh Knox's dialogue I feel like no yeah for sure like Knox um he's a he's a highlight which I and I missed him in Batman Returns Mm -hmm. but uh he's got he's got some really good one-liners and um feels like an actual person when he's delivering his dialogue as well yeah yeah um and also adds some levity to the movie in a way that feels organic to the movie. Yes, like absolutely. he makes sense there. Um, 
but yeah, he's got, he and Vicki Vale and their scenes together have a little bit of a, you know, 1930s, 40s, like, you know, reporter partner thing going on mm-hmm. um, that I was sad to lose. And I'm a little sad that at the end of the movie, she just sort of gives him a kiss on the cheek and leaves because like their partnership, she's a basically abandoning it in the context of the movie to go be Bruce Wayne's girlfriend instead of trying to report the news, she's just going to go wait on him in the back of a car. Um, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> while he just stands on a rooftop to watch his own signal go up for no reason other than he just wants to see it. it okay. Uh, it works. It's fine. All right. Oh, we can okay. go home. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me change. It's only going to take two hours to get out of this thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just because I've seen the movie so many times because I got the VHS for Christmas the year it came out and like it's probably up there with like Ghostbusters and Superman and Star Wars in terms of movies I've seen the most in my life so like I could probably do most of the movie as a one-man show so it might be just one of those things where like I have sucked it dry as far as like like there's nothing left for me to get out of it so like i i feel sort of bored when i'm watching it and i don't know if that's the movie's fault or just the fact that like i was addicted to this movie for a period of my life and it left such a mark that it's just like it's the reason i i still have a hard time watching star wars sometimes it's like i've just seen it so many times you know um so it, although I still really enjoy watching Batman Returns, but that could also be because I didn't like that one whenever I was a little kid. And um, it's too scary. It it was upsetting. Yeah, I didn't like how bloody it was. I didn't like how weird it was. Um, well, neither, it wasn't cool. Neither did uh, Warner Brothers, apparently. No, no. Well, it didn't gross as high as the uh, the first one. Yeah, the first one did uh, $400 million at the box office, which adjusted for inflation is damn near a billion dollars. God damn. So, I mean, it was monumental. It was a cultural touchstone of the late 80s, early 90s. And segue three years later, we get the sequel, which is uh, even bigger in terms of scope and in terms of budget. And I remember that being this sort of... um, it was like a cultural phenomenon in that like like people ask like have you seen batman returns yet so much so that it was even in an episode of beverly hills 90210 was it really i remember i don't know why i remember this i guess just because i was like obsessed with you know batman and all sorts of like you know if if if, if ever a, facts well if ever a comic book or something was mentioned in any other context outside of comics you know i would point that like ah <laughs> I uh, legitimized yeah. um and so there's a scene where andrea's character her and her boyfriend at the time like they say like oh we're gonna go watch batman returns i think we're the only two people in the country who haven't seen it yet and so it was just one of those things like it seemed like and which is crazy like you said it didn't gross as much which is crazy to me because from what i can remember like everyone went to go see it but it might have been a case of like whereas with batman he went and saw it and loved it and went and saw it again and maybe even a third or fourth time with Batman Returns, everyone went inside at least the first time, and you know, maybe like obviously, like some of the audience didn't return for repeat viewings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think especially people with kids. It was like in in getting ready for this episode, I didn't realize that 
McDonald's pulled their toys like from the <laughs> Happy Meal as a result of like how like sort of dark and violent this movie was. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember that either because I had some of those toys and I didn't remember them suddenly disappearing. But, you know, I also didn't have the Internet. So I was like, oh, I guess that promotion's over. We're on to something else now. Right. Yeah. Uh, now we're back on to getting stuff from the Ronald McDonald gang. Like there's like generic toys that they would give out whenever they didn't have some, uh, a branding opportunity Yeah, in place. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Batman Returns is bigger in both scope and in, in budget. And you can definitely tell in the budget, like the, I was going to say as, as great as Batman looks, um, the, like the sets are, it's, they're all, it's all like indoor sets. So you can tell that it's everything, almost everything is done on a set. Yeah. Rather than, you know, um, you know, like in a, on a, a shooting location. And so it, that makes it seem that much more bigger, that, that much larger uh, Batman Returns does. And we also get the introduction of Danny DeVito as Penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, which, I mean, at at nine years old, I mean, that, pivotal that, moment for most of us. Absolutely pivotal moment. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, I don't know that um, that it, that it gets much sexier than no. Michelle Pfeiffer in in Catwoman. And and watching that movie now, and because at the time, you you know. I can't remember how I felt about the character at nine, like when the movie first came out, but watching it now, like at almost 40, like you absolutely root for Selena Kyle. At least I <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has this shithead of a boss played with perfection by Christopher Walken yeah. uh, and Max Shrek. Absolute shithole of a boss. Um, and it's like this awesome, like female empowerment story that, really pays off in a great way in my opinion because you know like bruce wayne like become or like you know he he lets himself be vulnerable he like somehow rips off um what's supposed to be bulletproof yeah uh, yeah his uh, rubber mask <laughs> rips off his cowl which uh i assume is like supposed to be like kevlar type material but he's able to rip <laughs> it off like it's like cheap latex um and like asks her to like come with him like they can you know be together and she says, you know, like, yeah, big house, fancy car, like, you know, like, yeah, right. Like, this isn't a fairy tale. And sort of takes that agency for herself. She's like, like, that, you know, might have been my dream before when I was living in a pink apartment with a bunch of stuffed animals. But she's like, I'm on some real shit now. Like, I'm on like, I'm on what I want to do. Like, fuck what, you know, every man in my life has been telling me what I need to do. Like, I want to do what I want to do. And, and what I want to do right now is murder my boss. Is kill his, my boss. Hell yes. And apparently myself. Although not really. But she still has uh, two lives One, left. Two lives left. At that point, yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because she, he's basically offering her the same thing that Vicki Vale does accept at the end of the first movie. And she's like, yeah. nah, I'm good. So yeah, yeah. And I love it. I, I mean, like I said, I don't know. can't remember how I felt about it as a 10-year-old. Probably didn't think much about I didn't it. I didn't notice it uh, but like, um but watching it now I'm like dude yes like in like like she comes back after she's pushed out of the window and dies and is somehow like brought back to life by cats like licking her and like nibbling on her fingers yeah um and that's she a very Tim Burton thing <laughs> yeah and uh 
and sort of uh like comes back and and has this sort of like awakening more or less where she like destroys her apartment destroys all the stuff that all like the like the quote-unquote like you know girly, girly feminine feminine items in her life and decides like you know what kind of person she wants to be yeah yeah i mean it's um and danny elfman's score in that scene too is just amazing you want to talk about like as much as i love the score for the first batman his score for batman returns i think might be the best thing he ever did and i know oh, yeah absolutely probably some people who would disagree with me just because he's done so many wonderful scores over the years, but that one's my personal favorite. Um, but um, yeah, it's, I, I feel like this movie and maybe this is part of why I like it so much more is that it gives me a lot more to think about and talk about than the first movie does in terms of its themes and text and subtext. I mean, both Penguin and Catwoman have really interesting arcs because with Penguin, you've got sort of this shadow version of Moses, right? Like literally this kid put in a basket, sent down the river, you know, not for, self, a, not for salvation, but for damnation. Yeah, exactly. He's like an inverse Moses and yeah. he's taken in by freaks rather than royalty. Right. right. And, uh, but then comes back to wreak vengeance on the ta- on the city, like literally gathering the names of the firstborn of Gotham because he's planning his own version of like, you know, uh, the 10th ha- plague. Yeah, exactly. The 10th plague. Um, the, the brutalist of plagues, uh, <laughs> I would say. Um, <laughs> so like, you've got all that going on. You've got this great, you know, uh, a feminist, you know, allegory or not even allegory, just feminist, like straight up message going through the Selena Kyle thing. And then Bruce Wayne, it's interesting because a lot of people, I can remember hearing complaints like Batman's not in the movie very much. And that's true. He's not, but I feel like this movie has a better handle on what makes Bruce Wayne tick. Like it takes that weirdo. We kind of get to see in the first movie and like really just shows us who he is. I feel like in a much clearer way, like, I feel like Selena brings out a lot more in him than uh, Vicky Vale can because she's a more ideal match. Like, there's that great scene when they're on the couch trying not to, like, you know, let the other one feel their scars from where they've been fighting. Right. Um, they're the, like, only two people at the costume ball not wearing masks, you know, at the end. They're not the only ones, but they're the main two you can see. Right. Um, you know, so, and, and there's this whole thing about the penguin, you know, there's that great exchange where the penguin says to Batman, you're just jealous because you, I don't have to wear a mask. And Batman actually says, you might be right. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot more introspection on exactly like if someone decides to do something like what Bruce Wayne is doing with Batman that person isn't emotionally healthy person. Like that person is not like, okay. yeah, he's not okay in, in, in almost any respect. And, you know, so to, to go around like saying like, Oh, like he's like, he's filthy rich and he gets to be Batman. Like, you know, he, he fights crime. Like he's, yeah, he's doing okay in his life. Like, no, he, like he does this because he's haunted by by the murder of his parents and because of that he's pushed away almost everyone in his life save for this old british guy 
and who's constantly kind of hinting like you should probably stop doing this yeah he's like dude this isn't good. and yeah he's like this is i mean like look man you you're you're you sign all my paychecks so like you know it's not i'll really, bring you soup but i'll bring you all the soup you could ever want <laughs> but when i do like i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you how i feel i'm gonna at least i'm not gonna be like overt about it but i'm i will like he has this great line where he says that like, he doesn't want to um uh, he doesn't want to uh, spend his few remaining years mourning, you know, long lost friends or their sons saying like, look, man, if this is how you want to go out, like, you know, I'll miss you, but it, I'm going to be like super fucked up about it. Right. And, but yeah, he, um, oh, and I can't remember his name now. Um, Michael Goff, Michael uh, Goff, yeah. really brings like a, um, like sort of like this gravitas to, to both films. Um, that is, you know, in retrospect, it was desperately needed, especially in the first one where, like I said, it, it's literally like a comic book come to life. And so just to have this sort of like anchoring point um, yeah. really works well. And in fact, like, you know, when, as the movies, you know, di- uh, transgress into buffoonery <laughs> with Batman forever and Batman and Robin, especially the the latter, uh, you know, his... Um, uh, his T's demise, his T's death is the only thing that really keeps you interested in the film. Yeah, it's the only emotionally investing um, aspect element. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. element. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I absolutely agree that Batman Returns does um, offer a lot more subtext and, and it has a lot more to say than the first one did. You know, like I think, um, you know, Tim Burton obviously you know, Warner Brothers is like, hey, like we're, we're going to let you make a Batman movie. You know, we're definitely going to handcuff you a little bit. But, you know, we'll we'll you know, this is you know, this is a great character that can probably make a lot of money. And then right. once it made the equivalent of a billion dollars at the time, uh, you know, that, that, you know, Warner Brothers is like, all right, well, like, obviously, like the handcuffs are coming off and Tim Burton made a movie, you know, Batman Returns is more a Tim Burton movie than Batman is for sure. Oh yeah. Um, like if I were to not have any idea who directed either of those films, I could probably guess that Batman <laughs> Returns was directed by Tim Burton way quicker than, you know, Batman. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, and that's a good thing. You know, like I said, because he has that much more creative freedom, he's, he's allowed to explore, um like that sort of dichotomy between batman and his rogues gallery you know like like the line you said about penguin like you're just jealous because you know i don't have to wear a mask uh you know batman is is a wildly disturbed individual (laughs) yeah and the way michael keaton plays bruce wayne who's so quiet and so like reserved i think that that just adds to like it, you know, if you're not paying attention, if you're not thinking about it, maybe not. But like, if you are thinking about like how this person does that, like there is so much going on beneath the surface of that human being that is not okay. Um, you know, and I, I'm really happy that the movie exists. I'm really happy that Tim Burton got to make it the way he wanted it. But I completely understand why Warner Brothers might be like, hey, maybe 
Like, we're not going to tell you no, but what do you think about not coming back to do the next one? Like, I think they agreed he wouldn't. Like, I think they started to talk about it and agreed. Like, the way it was presented in the making of documentaries, at least, was that, like, yeah, we would have, you know, if he'd kind of pushed for it, we would have let him do another one. But, you know. What seemed like Warner Brothers, like, we want to go more family friendly and uh we totally understand if that's not what you want to do right and tim burton's like yeah no he's like all right bet all right cool excellent <laughs> you know jim and and tom warner were like ah fab fantabulous great awesome high five you can still be a producer though bro it's still totally get that producer check um but yeah so um i guess in and we'll talk about you know the hows and whys of uh like in the in the nitty-gritty of uh sort of how the the Burton verse of, of it all uh, dissolved and, you know, how it sort of segues into, you know, the Batman 89 comic book series in the next episode. But just, I guess, to, to sum up uh, this episode, uh, Batman, yeah, ba- the original Tim Burton Batman movie is, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially after, after so many serious uh, Batman movies in particular and, and superhero movies in general uh, in the past 20 years. Yeah. And then, and Batman returns having watched it, it's uh, the pacing is, is a little, isn't as great as the original. Um, but the, uh, but I still think it's, it's probably one of the, uh, one of the best superhero movies of ever i mean it's probably it's probably a top five i would agree with that assessment 100 percent um anything else you want to talk about uh guys been watching book of boba fett we already talked about that man god dang it sean uh anyway that's uh (laughs) that's about it for this episode um again if you want to give us your thoughts and opinions on these two movies or anything in general, you can definitely find us on the social media. Uh, we are on Twitter at Fandom Hue Podcast. You can also email us if uh, 140 characters uh, isn't isn't sufficient enough um, to uh, to voice your your opinions or a rancor against us. Uh, you so you can email us at Fandom Podcast at gmail.com uh and personally i am on twitter s-e-r-g-1-o-t-x you can read all about my leftist politics and pro wrestling opinions i'm at sean hamill on twitter uh s-h-a-u-n-h-a-m-i-l-l all one word um you'll see some of my leftist politics. I talk a lot about star Wars uh, and video games and the writing process. So um, not that different from fandom university, just a little more self-centered. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I follow you. I like it. I'm a fan. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I'm a course. fan of you too. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks to discuss uh, Batman 89, which um, we were hoping when we planned all this out, we were hoping that the series would be done and we thought for sure as uh, the of these six issues, the four of them 
had been uh, were released by December of 2021. So we figured that by March 2022, we would have the entire series to discuss. However, uh, that is not the case. But I think with four issues, we can still um, get a probably a, a firm grasp on on uh, what they're going for, on the tone, and what they're going for, and see if they're succeeding or not. Um, or the reviews that I've read of it uh, indicate that it's uh, that it's great that they it's actually uh, that they're pretty positive. I'm really excited to dig in. So um, that's that's yeah yeah I'm excited, and just the fact that. You know, this is a continuation of these two, you know, uh, a really good and a great Batman movie. Yeah. You know, and rather than, you know, what we got, which was, you know, as a kid, I loved Batman forever. I was, Me too. I, I was a big Jim Carrey fan and it was loud and colorful and obnoxious. And I was all of those things as it had a great as, soundtrack as a teenager. Yeah. had seal kiss from a rose, which is an all timer, mm-hmm. absolute all timer. Um, but uh, like, you know, in retrospect, it's not a very good movie. And then it's also got Nicole Kidman. In it. Oh just, man. Yeah. Like, Chase like total, yeah, total femme fatale mode. Um, except she's not a bad guy. She's just gorgeous. Yeah. And then, uh, but for sure, Batman, even at the time, even as, a dumb 15 year old, uh, you know, with, with dumb 15 year old opinions and thoughts. Uh, I knew Batman and Robin was utter garbage. Yeah. I remember we actually rented it, um, to make watch and make fun of for like my 15th birthday and we couldn't even sit through it. Like, I think we, but we all just sort of wandered away from the TV and started doing <laughs> other stuff because we couldn't stand it. Um, yeah. And you know, um, I'd be interested. I think I'm going to revisit some of the the Joel Schumacher of it all uh, before our next episode, just so I'm studied up, but I don't anticipate, you know, I might uh, do something fun while it's on in the background. Yeah. I don't don't know if I could just endure it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that I I'm going to have a, like a Batman 1989, like reversal of opinion on it. Um, Like I, I'm pretty sure like it's, it's, it was bad then it's going to stay bad. And so, yeah, so like reading this comic book uh, continuation of Batman Returns, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to, I look forward to it. And I hope you look forward to it. And I hope you join us again in two weeks. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Thank you so much. My name is Sergio. My name is still Sean. Be kind to yourself and to each other. You and I are (laughs) well-oiled machines. Yes. (laughs) Emphasis on the well-oiled. Ooh-wee!